I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. Hello, welcome back. Chase Thomas podcast. Taping this on a Thursday afternoon, just a few days before Christmas. Kobe Price is here of the Orlando Sentinel. Kobe, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, Chase. How are you doing? Appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you being here, man. Um. What is your number one Christmas gift of all time? What was the best one you've ever gotten? Uh, a car. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, no, I guess, go back to Curtin. My birthday's on Christmas. so it was Is like it really? Birthday. My wife is yeah. Christmas Eve. Yeah, yeah. So it's a birthday. It was a birthday slash Christmas. Like, mm-hmm. So, but yes, yes, that is, that is definitely number one. So how does that go for you? Are you just used to it now? Was it tough growing up having a Christmas birthday or do you just, you don't know any different? So it's, it is what it is. Yeah. I don't know any different. So for me, and like, I, I don't, I wasn't the kid like who grew up was like, like comparing birthdays, like, Oh, mm-hmm. birthday's like this, my birthday. Like, I know no different. Mm-hmm. Sure. My birthday's on Christmas or I was born on Christmas. So yeah, that's just what it is. Uh, but yeah, it is. Yeah. That's always just like, I, I don't, like, it's not like one day, like when I was nine, like, you know what? Your birthday's going to be on Christmas now. And all that mm-hmm. before, you know, it's like, no, that's, that's all I know. So did they separate, did your family and friends like separate it uh, growing up where they're like, here's your Christmas gift. And this is for your birthday. Yeah. So typically growing up, um, mm-hmm. even now, like I'll have, like do a birthday celebration, mm-hmm. like outside of Christmas. So Growing up, it may be like the week before Christmas or hmm. like two weeks before Christmas. And my girlfriend and I, we do something like typically like the 26th okay. after Christmas or the day after Christmas and the day after whatever, the 27th. So there's mm-hmm. usually some sort of celebration before or after. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how it was growing up, too. So there's like enough separation for it to be like, this is your birthday celebration and this is your Christmas celebration. Um, I like it. I like it. And you cover a team that will not interfere ever on Christmas for you. I don't think the Orlando Magic are ever going to be an NBA Christmas destination. We'll see. I actually have a story coming out about that uh, on Christmas. But yeah. Uh, are you breaking some news, Kobe? Or no, are they, no, no, okay. no, no news breaking. It's just like, I'm trying to think. Well, this is from like my mission the story. Just like how long it's like has been 2011 was the last time they played Christmas. Yeah. It's like seeing all the other teams who have played since then. Mm. Like you just figure, like, you you figure at a certain point you have to get back into it. Like, it's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of teams who have played on Christmas since the last time they've played on Christmas. And it's also... Like, well, I feel like they did... What was the year? Was that Christmas that they did Magic Pistons? 
in Detroit. Was that a Christmas game or was that with T-Mac? I'm trying to think all the way back then. Was that an Easter game maybe? I remember it was some kind of holiday because I remember weirdly watching that from beginning to end um, at my grandparents' house. I, I don't remember if that was a Christmas or not, but I do remember being at a family gathering for some sort of holiday thing. It might have been Easter that uh, they had Pistons magic on. 2011, who would that have been? Who were they playing? uh 2011 so mm. that would have been thunder magic thunder magic okay yeah i have like no a, recollection of that yeah it was one of those odd like matchups like why i put the thunder against the magic mm-hmm. but yeah that was their their last christmas game because that's the last year with dwight and wow uh yeah since then i mean that was the i'm pretty sure if that's the last year of dwight then that would have been the lockout season man yeah time that, yeah, flies. That was, yeah that was a lockout season uh because that was yeah also the opener so there you go man, 11 years ago what was this last year that's crazy um well we're gonna talk about a team you cover and are very uh inundated with kobe because the magic are kind of catching a lot of people by surprise uh the last month or so uh, making significant strides. Uh, part of that is Paolo Bencaro, who's just been um, electric out of the gate for them. And who knows what this record looks like if he's not hurt uh, for the time that he was out. But we'll get into Paolo in a second. But my broad question to start things off here uh, for you is just what is what's happened? How would you explain to people who are not watching the Magic Night In, Night Out? Like, why are they a much better team? And what's flipped that they are actually winning some important games that they have not won uh, since really going down this rebuilding effort? There are a lot of different things that are happening. Uh, you can point to maybe like four or five main things. But at the top of the list to me is simply the continuity that mm. they hadn't had really at any point of the season until you know, the end of November, beginning of December, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they've, I actually was just tweeting, writing about this. They've had at least five guys out every single game of this season. And there's been one, I guess you would say, there's been one constant in the guys who've, who've been out. That's John mm-hmm. Isaac. Um, yeah. He hasn't played the season, but other than that, like the guys who have been in and out of the lineup have changed, you know, throughout the year. There's at one point they miss as many as I think eight guys in a single game. Mm-hmm. And, it was when Markel Fultz and Cole Anthony came back November 30th against the Hawks. They lost that game. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost that game. Then they played the Nets, and then they played the Raptors. They lost those three games. But once Markel and Cole Anthony's minutes restrictions were lifted and they were able to play the typical minutes that you've seen them play over the past two and a half weeks, mm-hmm. that you've seen them get into a rhythm on both ends of the floor. But it starts with being able to have, all right, if, uh, if you're Coach Jamal Mosley, I know the – nine or 10 guys I'm going to play every single game. The same, the rotations have been the same pretty much every game over this uh, over this long stretch. Uh, the responsibilities what's been asked for have been the same over this, you know, nine to 10 game stretch. And that's just not something that was asked of or was even possible because of all the absences and because of the guys going in and out of the lineup from mid-October through late November. Interesting. Um how has Markel Fultz been since he's been back? How did he, how has he been? Because that was a question I had when he was coming back. You're like, oh, you're kind of winning basketball games and you kind of turn the corner with Markel not back. And they have a lot of guards that just need to play. And I mean, Cole Anthony, you have uh, Suggs, who obviously they've invested a lot in as a high lottery pick and you got to have him play a bunch and keep the ball in his hands. And then Paolo 
is so good with the ball in his hands that you're like, all right, how is Jamal Mosley going to be able to navigate this many young guys who need the ball to be effective? And I mean, not even mentioning Wagner as well, who's great with the ball in his hands. So we'll talk to talk about in a second. But how is Markel fit in since he joined kind of a crowded guard room? Like a glove. Mm. And that's kind of what throughout their losing streak, they lost nine straight games at Mm. a certain point, even their early struggles in the season, there was reasonable optimism about what this group could be, especially once Markel came back, because how many saw it was he was going to be maybe not the guy, but a guy who could help put this Mm. team together, right? Because Paulo is a good ball handler and Franz Wagner is a good ball handler for their size and for their positions. But they have so much responsibility was put on their shoulders in a way that, you know, Paulo, as good as he is, he's still a rookie. Mm. Franz Wagner, as good as he is, he's still a second year forward who, you know, up until a few years ago, wasn't really accustomed to playing the more pick and roll heavy um, style of play. Mm. And you can you could tell because there's some growth and adjustments that he was going through being asked to be a ball handler more than he was last season and before last season, pretty much any other part of his, you know, youth career. Mm. So Markel and even Cole to another extent just bring a certain level of of just poise as ball handlers, a certain level of maturity, of a certain level, a certain level of just knowing where to how to help guy, help put guys in their spots to thrive. Mm. And that's what you see Markel do. You know, even if he's not scoring, he's setting a certain tone, he's setting a certain pace offensively. And defensively, he's shown the ability to just be to be very reliable at the point of attack. Just mm. be a guy who you can throw out there and he'll he'll do his best slowing down the opposing guard. Um and that's before we mean to the, get into the fact that, you know, his actual shooting has improved or at least through the, what, 10, 11 games he's played, it's looked pretty good. I know he's only taken, what, one and a half threes per game in the 12 games he's played. but And so the fact they're shooting 43, 44% on it, you don't, you know, go crazy about it. But even from the mid-range, his shots look smooth. And just watching him work in practice and, um, you know, during par whatever training camp that he could have and during practices and shoot arounds, you can tell a lot of work has been put to adjusting and changing up his uh, his jump shot. And the work's paying off right now. Do you think he's still part of the core? Do you think they see him as a core guy? Uh, I, I would, with the way that he's spoken on, I would imagine so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's in the same way that you imagine like Paolo and Franz being a quote-unquote core guy, maybe even Wendell, uh, especially because Markel has this season on his contract in the next season, which mm-hmm. is partially unguaranteed or partially guaranteed rather mm. but you know other than that like that's kind of what i think he's what is being shown for him or what he's trying to show that he is a core guy and he can be part of the glue or the infrastructure that pushes this team to the next level he's shown that he showed that last year when he came back from his injury mm. and his play and i think he's showing it again that he can be a significant reason why this team can get to a different level and he can fit or he can fit with Franz and Paulo. He's shown that already. Then, you know, he'll be able to play with Wendell. He's been able to play with Cole. Like he's been able to now he's able to get his feel for this magic team. Because before this season, and honestly, most of last season, because of the time when he returned, he hadn't really played with many of the main guys uh since coming since tearing his ACL in what January 2021. Interesting. Do you think the Magic are gonna get a first for Mo Bomber? Or is that just uh something that's just out there? It's like they know they're not getting a first for Mo. Getting a first for Mo Bamba, uh, it depends who it depends who the team is. I think that's mm-hmm. really what it is. Like, 
I know there are teams who are interested in mm-hmm. Mo. Uh, Do you think that, he gets moved? I just think that I think that's. I think I. I don't. I would lean towards release right now. No. Hmm. Just because. One, I mean, I guess that really depends on whether whether the Magic get what they want in terms of the offer for Mo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but two, they're still. I think the reason why the Magic are looking for a first for him is because they very much value him on this roster. Mm-hmm. Um, like you can see the role he's played for them, even during the past what two weeks since he came back too, because uh, he was out during a certain stretch with back pain, back spasms. Like he he's provided a certain value as a spacer, as a rim protector. Um, he's imp- and he's improving certain nuances of his game. I don't think this is a situation where the Mag- Magic are just like, all right, we'll take whatever for like mm-hmm. we'll take whatever we want to get you out of here. It's not that kind of situation. So like teams are going to have to make very good um, offers for the Magic to I think really consider it. And even then, like th- there, this team's had so much, so much lineup. What do you want to call it? Mumbo fluctuation. Jumbo. Yeah, fluctuation. I mm. like that word better than mumbo jumbo. <laughs> uh, that sometimes, at least for me, I think about, well, you've, you've already seen through whatever this is, 34, 33 games, mm. just like how much fluctuation can happen. Like you, you want to almost preserve that depth because you never know when you just don't know what's going to happen with your season. Yeah, I like that. Um when you look at uh, Suggs, who I think is playing a lot better this year, and like one of the comps uh, I saw, and people are like, "Well, best case scenario is he's like Kyle Lowry, right? Like that's kind of what you want to build is some version of Kyle Lowry with um, the way Suggs plays." But based on what you've seen this year, what is flipped for him that he really struggled with last year? Oh uh, well, I mean, when you ask me what I've seen, like some of it, I feels like I'm going back in time because mm-hmm. he has been out for a minute. Yeah, um, I mean, when before he got, and even when the I last should practice it, yeah, before the injury, yeah, and even like the weird, not the weird thing, but the unfortunate thing is like even those pat, those like the last couple of games he played, you mm-hmm. could tell he was, you know, he was dealing with some level of ankle discomfort because mm-hmm. it's how he was playing. He was as there was one game he just wasn't nearly as aggressive, um, but even with that, I think he showed he had shown a better. Um, feel for not just getting to the rim, but just to slow down a little bit when trying to finish at the rim. Um, a lot of times last year, it was a very just go, 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 like battering ram to the rim. And he improved that a little bit after he broke his thumb and when he came back uh, in the first few games. But now, like before he got hurt and it was only what, like a 14 game sample mm-hmm. where he was able to actually be on the floor consistently. Um you could tell that things were slowing down a little bit for him in that regard, just finishing, getting into the paint, and just making a play from there. And the shooting had come along a little bit. You, you, like I said, such a small sample of 14 games mm. um, where the pull-up three was there, but the catch-and-shoot three wasn't there. So you, mm. you're curious about like how reliable or how consistent that will be, um, especially because of the dynamic of that. But – those I guess those would be the areas that I saw the most growth with him, especially just getting to the paint and finishing at the paint, finishing side of the paint, finishing at the rim compared to where he was last year. When you think about all the difference, we talked about the fluctuation in lineups. Like what what's the best five man lineup that you've seen the magic throughout this year? What do you think is their best five? I think the best five 
what was it? I think it was a lineup of Franz, Wagner, Terrence Ross, Bull Bull, Paulo Bancaro, and Wendell Carter Jr. I think that was the best five. I think numbers-wise, that may have been the best five, too, or still is the best five. I actually haven't looked it up in a in a, in a couple of weeks. But just mm. from the eyes, like that was one of their best lineups I had seen uh, this season. They, they With Terrence, you had that certain level of just movement shooter hmm. um, who could threaten out, and you just had so much. This was – and this, this lineup played a lot more early in the season. Mm. So there was less intel um, on – the Magic's, you know, big lineup. You know, they play these bigger lineups of like four, sixteen guys. Yeah. So other teams didn't have as much of, I guess, intel or a game plan of how to attack it. So they were just, you know, throwing teams off with the size and the length, and just really able to bottle teams down in that way. So it was a small sample. I forget exactly how many minutes they played together, mm-hmm. but that was one of the better lineups. And obviously, we haven't seen Wendell on the floor since November nineteenth or November eighteenth. So that lineup hasn't even being able to have the potential to play in over a month. But when they did play, that's that was one of the more impressive lineups I've seen. In terms of Paolo, what makes him great right out of the gate? Why is he dominating the way he is as a rookie? Uh, me, I think it's just the maturity. Hmm. and It shows mentally and physically. So everyone goes physically, just the ability to just force defenders into bad situations, able to get into the paint, pretty much at will you mm. see on post-ups you see it sometimes on drives too where he's able to angle his body and just force his way into situations and the defender just feels like there's nothing i can do about this because this guy is this guy 6'10 250 yeah. and muscular and strong and now i have to foul him and next thing you know paulo's getting to the line eight and a half times a game so and then the poise uh you've seen this a little bit more in the past few games the poise to just start to pick his spots a little bit, especially as a passer. He he has some few nice over-the-shoulder passes that he makes out of the post. Mm. And you can feel him, you can feel him start to get a rhythm for that. So I, I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, the poise and maturity physically and mentally to just say, all right, this is what I'm gonna do. And you can kind of tell just by looking at his numbers, and then you see he's taking eight and a half free throws a game for anybody that's impressive for a rookie that's almost unheard of It's one of the best marks for a rookie in the history of the league um especially in the modern era so that's to me something that makes him stand out who do you think has the best chemistry with on the team um i think markel as of right hmm. now is either markel or is either markel or bull hmm. um because I think Markel and Paulo have figured out a nice chemistry over the past 12 games, just playing off one another, yeah. and picking roles. And Markel's helped set Paulo up for certain uh, catch and shoot opportunities. And I think Paulo's starting to get used to being set up in that way because mm-hmm. early in the season, there wasn't that much for, there wasn't as much help for him to get set up with. Mm-hmm. They just didn't have as many guards available or guards they were playing, rather. Um, but Bolt, like he, he, Paulo's. Paolo likes to throw some alley-oops to Bull, and sometimes they're very, they're very uh, adventurous or bold. <laughs> like he'll throw it, and like even Bull Bull who's seven two and has the wingspan that can reach up to the top of the the uh, hoop. He, mm-hmm. he, he misses it, but he's very like willing to throw uh, throw an alley-oop past the Bull. But I, I, right now, I see Markel, and they're still working on that chemistry. Like I said, they've only played in. 12 games together, I believe. Mm. But you can see them start to figure out the pieces of, oh, like, Paolo likes to be here. Let me set Paolo up there. And inversely, like, Markel likes to do this. Let me 
he likes to make this certain pass. You can see them start to figure that out. I like it. Uh, we'll end on this. Do you think we see Jonathan Isaac this year? I do. I I think he'll come back. What is this? 2022, 2023 season? I yes. think he'll come back this season. What makes you say that? Uh, it's just knowing what he's doing now, just in terms of practicing. Yeah. Uh, you know, getting, getting with the Magic's G League team down in Lakeland. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, with the Lakeland Magic, being able to practice with them, being able to practice a little bit with the Orlando Magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there he's you can tell and i know this is like almost one of those like duh comments because he should be but you can tell he's much further along than he was last year before he messed up you know he had the hamstring injury the mm. setback so knowing that i guess gives confidence or just belief that he should be back you know this is december what late 22nd december, yeah december 22nd we still have Jan- we still have january february and then you get to like march and it's like all right uh, he should definitely be, you you hope he'd be back by then but there's still more than enough time to get back especially if he's already on the floor actually getting in five on five actually you know bumping with guys full contact full court that that gives confidence that he'll be back at a certain point this season i like it uh kobe what can the good folks check out from you and the team over at the orlando Sentinel? what can we uh look out for from you this week yeah like i think i alluded to at the beginning of this conversation i'm gonna have a, a christmas Orlando Magic NBA story. It's not going to be a breaking news story. Just kind of talks to the guys about the fact that it has been what twelve years since the Magic have been in Christmas game and looking like how you know what it takes to get back to that level. There was a certain point where you know the Magic were. And I'm not going to say they were like the Lakers in terms of they were on Christmas every single year, but they had these nice stretches where they were on Christmas. You know, pretty consistently. You think about. Mm-hmm. Um, you think about LeBron's first Christmas game that came against the Magic and T-Mac and that crew. And then you think about the Dwight years. They had several Christmas games in a row. Shaq, Christmas game. So they've had these stretches of Christmas games. So just understanding what it takes to get back to that level of consistently being featured on that day. I like it. I like it. Well, Kobe, happy early birthday. Uh, Merry Christmas. I hope you have a great holiday season. Safe travels. All that good stuff. And uh, we'll have to reconnect again soon. Absolutely. Appreciate you. Appreciate you having me on. Merry Christmas to you, too. Absolutely. Talk soon, Kobe. All right. Catch you later. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.